Good morning, church. It's good to see you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, and welcome to Trinity and welcome to 2024. Uh, it is uh, good to see everybody this morning. Uh, we're going to worship the Lord together in many different ways, as I like to, to be reminded of myself and then to remind all of you that um, worship is more than just music although we love to worship god through songs which we'll do in just a moment um, our worship to god is simply us um, our response to god's goodness and we can respond to god's goodness and worship him through the reading and hearing of his word and of course through singing songs of praise to him we do it through our time of prayer our time of fellowship which we'll get to enjoy later on as well, uh, as we give of ourselves to the Lord, it is time for worship. And, um, you know, Jesus makes clear uh, in the account of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well, and he says that a time is coming, and now is, since he was present on earth, um, that true worshipers would worship God in spirit and in truth. And we'll do that together this morning. We worship in spirit and in truth, because we sing songs that um, have words that are true about God and about us and our relationship with him. And we worship God who is spirit, and we worship God in our spirit. As uh, believers, we have been reconnected to our God, our maker, uh, through a new spirit, a new life in him. And so we praise God for this blessing, this opportunity to do that together this morning, and uh, what perfect way to begin our new year together. I trust that you all enjoyed and had a blessed um, Thanksgiving and Christmas and uh, New Year's uh, celebrations, whatever that looked like for you. Um, but uh, I'd like to read now uh, from the scriptures as our call into worship. Probably a familiar story to most of you. This is taken from chapter 3 of the book of Exodus, and often I'll read from the Psalms and something that will stir our emotions and steady our minds for worship. Uh, this is a familiar story from Exodus chapter 3 of Moses and the burning bush. Listen to these words, and then I'll ask us, invite us to stand, and we'll pray and enter into a time of worship through song. So allow these words uh, familiar words, to be our calling to worship our God together this morning. 
So now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. But now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am. Who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Let's stand together and pray. Father God, you are the great I am. You are the self existent one. Jesus, your son, our Savior, claims that he is God himself the Alpha and the Omega, no beginning and no end. Father, you are the one who we worship this morning, the true God of true God, the light from light. You are the God of the Bible, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the one who sent Moses to free your people from bondage in Egypt. You are the one who sent Moses to say, let my people go. Father, we thank you for freedom that we have. Standing here this morning together, the freedoms that we have in this new year, 2024, the freedom to worship you as we desire, to worship you as you call us to worship you in spirit and in truth. We worship you and only you, the one true God, the great I am. Father, this time is for you. May you be blessed. May you alone be honored. And we pray for this time of worship in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Church, let's worship that great I am this morning. Amen.
Hallelujah. He is the great I am. Father God, you are, you alone are worthy and there is no one like you. You are the great I am. We praise you this morning in this place. We worship you and we honor you with our lips, with our voices, with our love for one another. God, may you continue to be glorified and lifted up that name above all names. We continue to praise you and you alone, our great I am. Amen. Amen. Say good morning to somebody next to you. again good morning and um, thanks for joining us praise the Lord for some awesome uh, powerful worship you make your way back to your seats um, 
It is, uh, it is good to fellowship and it's good to encourage each other, especially after an awesome time of worship, get to praise God and just uh, be reminded through song as we're singing uh, about the great I am. And uh, all, that we, uh, all that we do as a church, the body of believers uh, is to be done in his name and keeping our, our focus and attention on him, that will be our theme for this morning and what that looks like for this coming year, keeping our eyes firmly focused on Jesus. But just uh, a few uh, announcements, we call this Church Life. And we do this every Sunday just to kind of get caught up about where we are uh, in the life of Trinity and things that uh, have happened and that are currently going on and things to look forward to just uh, so we're all on the same page. So we have our men's and women's Bible studies, which uh, begin again this coming week. And so Tuesday morning, that's on Tuesdays, Tuesday mornings, uh, men meet at 6.30 a.m. The women meet at 9.30. And uh, again, that starts again this Tuesday. And then at night, we have uh, the second season of our men's group, our men's study. Uh, and men, if you haven't gotten a book yet for that, you can just see Bill Egert or one of the leaders of the men's ministry to get your book for that. So you can do some reading and preparation for Tuesday night. And if you have any other questions about, uh, again, the time and the meeting place, just come see uh, one of us after service or during the luncheon, but that begins Tuesday night as well. Remember also, which began today, resumed again today, is our Dig Deeper uh, study, and that's every Sunday morning from 9.30 till about 10.15. Uh, started a new study, Daniel, and this is open for everybody, of course, and um, you can join at any time and get one of the books, but uh, hopefully you're able to do that. Uh, early on in the series, but again, uh, just feel free to come and and uh, join the group uh, any Sunday uh, that you're available. But they just started Daniel, uh, just a pivotal book, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, a lot of prophecy, and uh, so uh, always, of course, relevant and important, but perhaps today more than ever for us. And so um, hopefully you'll be able to, to do that, 9.30 to 10.15 on Sunday morning, so you get here a little early, grab your coffee, and head down to our classroom and uh, join our Dig Deeper study. Uh, the first Sunday of every month, which is today, we have our fellowship lunch. We end our service, like we will today, with communion. And so we take the elements, the bread and the cup, we do that together in remembrance of the Lord Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. And then we uh, move into a time of extended fellowship and food. And so today is our monthly fellowship lunch, our potluck. And uh, so please, all are welcome, whether you brought food or not, everybody is welcome to stay. We always have plenty of food, great time of fellowship and conversations, and it's always great to hear a lot of the conversations that start before service and then after our uh, worship time to greet one another to continue afterwards. And so uh, please make sure that you um, make time to stay for that. And then actually at the end of our luncheon today, uh, we just need a, a bunch of people to, to help us clear these chairs. We're going to be having our, our carpet cleaned, uh, the sanctuary carpet cleaned this week. And so we just ask um, when we're all done with lunch, if um, you'd be willing to help, we're just going to stack the chairs back in the back corner there uh, so that this could all be cleaned. And so that'll be later after our lunch. Uh, we have our missions outreach. You know, we do at least one a month and our missions team is uh, busy at work planning for the new year. And uh, our first one is scheduled for Sunday, January 28th. Uh, right uh, after the service. You'll hear more about that in a moment. And remember to take our blessing bags. Um, 
we have those emissions team put those together as a way to uh, to bless people as you come across people in need throughout the week and to start a conversation. But I'd like to invite uh, Andrew and Elizabeth, if you guys would come up. And they, uh, as most of you know, they head up our uh, missions team. And um, a big part of what they do is, is keep missions front and center uh, in front of the church. And so, there you go. And uh, so we want, yep. And so we just want to uh, just give them our time and attention as they kind of share a little bit more about our blessing bag ministry. I'm just going to say good morning, Trinity. Glory to God. Pastor Keith said, keep this under five seconds. <laughs> I just want to say we got a goal set. I mean, Claudia, we had a, a mission meeting probably like um, 20, 2023, probably like a couple months ago. She was like, we should set a goal for Trinity Bible Troops. Um, last Last year, we probably gave away like 470 blessing blacks. And this year, we want to set this goal for 600. 600. As y'all walk in the church, y'all see the blessing bags there. We'll be having them. We got socks. We got toothpaste. We got spiritual needs. We got physical needs. You know, when you run across somebody, it could be at the stoplight. I mean, pray for these divine appointments, and the Lord will let you see what's in front of you. You know, even if you're tired of worry, these blessing bags are seeds that we plant. To bring people to Christ. I mean, you could be anywhere. I, I hear stories, Maureen and um, Trenton, she was telling me today, like, you know, I wish I had a blessing bag. I, I, I ain't have it at the time, you know, and this guy ran in front of me with a, with a sign. I mean, you got to be ready. Me too. Sometimes I get frustrated too myself. I was like, man, I got to, I want to give, I don't have them, but you know, I still can talk to this guy. But if I had that blessing bag, because we live in like in a fast paced society that they, sometimes they don't want to hear about that. If they take this blessing bag, they got all the essentials that you need in here, you know? got socks in here. Um, I was talking to Liz Neary before um, we came in service, and she was telling me the first time she went on the um, Delaware trip, and it was a, a little girl. She didn't even have socks on. She didn't even have socks on the last um, Delaware trip, and it's, this was last January, and, and she's, by the chance, she had her son um, socks in the, in the car, so she gave the socks to the little girl that didn't have. Um, give a round of applause to the Lord. Gave the socks to them, and it was just amazing how... Um, the Lord can work anything out if we pray about it and we stay focused on it. You know, we got to just stay focused. You know, I want to keep this long because I'm, I'm passing the mic to my wife. But I remember me and my son, he, he opened up his um, his telescope um, as a Christmas present. I gave him a telescope. So we're looking through it, you know, and um, he said, Daddy, the thing is not in focus. You know, I, I can't see nothing. I said, oh, man, I got to get this thing in focus. So we got it in focus. As soon as we got it in focus, we was able to look at, look at the moon. And um, the Lord said, what are you focused on this year? What are you focused on? Are you going to focus on your circumstances or are you going to be focused on me? So we want to focus on the Lord this year more and more. Just pass these blessing bags out there. I mean, they're out there. We're trying to get 600 to people, you know, be planting seeds of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're learning, growing, and serving together. And that's what it's all about. And I'm bringing glory to him and honor to him because he is worthy to be praised. And the thing is, he is allowing you to breathe right now. You know, if, if you take the breath out of you, we're we done. But, you know, if you, if you are born again, you're going to be in heaven. It's, it's eternal. I'm speaking spiritual right now. This is not me. It's Christ, you know. I want to pass this off to my, my wife, my dearest wife, so she can speak a little bit. Hi, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, I know sometimes we tell you guys all the time, take care of but there's a kind of love that I don't know. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? 
But if I don't see anybody, personally, like I said the last time, pray. Pray for that divine appointment. It's going to come. You just got to be ready for it. Second, I want to say a short story. I'm going to keep it short. You keep it covered we're gonna stop at ShopRite to buy some chicken with the leftover rice I had and some salad. And then at last minute, I said, no, you know, we got stuff at home. Why? Then he got in the car and said, I gotta stop for gas. Well, that never happened. And you know why? God was preparing the divine appointment. Because if we would have stopped, we would have missed it. And this woman, Veronica, Tori, I'm sorry. In Lakewood, she had asked Andrew for some blankets. We had the blankets in the car, but since it was raining, we didn't know if we were gonna see her walk in the streets. But you see, if we would have stopped at those two places, we wouldn't have found her walking down the street. And we did. We gave her the blankets and Andrew supported her to where she is um, sleeping, um, a bedroom, uh, a, a porch. So what I'm, gonna, what I'm saying is, God will put that divine appointment in front of you, my brothers and sisters. You just got to be ready, okay, and pray. God bless you all. Thank you. Amen. It's good to have goals. You know, we all kind of set um, goals for the new year, kind of resolutions or things that we desire to do and the things that we pray about and so what a powerful thing to pray about that God would continue to provide those opportunities and so again take those blessing bags um, take one or two keep it in your car and uh, pray for the opportunity uh, and then I'd also like to invite up Ann Ankrum and she was so excited to come and share uh, some things going on but um, uh, yeah you see they, they clap before they even know what you're going to say and uh, the Wednesday before this, so on January the 24th, I believe it is, um, we're going to have a training here that night, a really important training and something most of us probably don't know much about. So I wanted to have Ann kind of share about that and how it's connected to our outreach and then uh, as a church. So okay. thank you, Ann. So I don't know if any, a lot of you know, but I'm a substance abuse. Above all power, above all kings, above all nature and all created things. Above all, it also benefits people in all the way. We're doing this it's only 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Get a free kit, you'll get like information on different. A lot of the stuff we 
So I and it's free. Praise the Lord. Um, again, that's on that Wednesday, the 24th. Uh, you'll be getting more information. It's on our website. And as Ann, Ann shared, it's free. It's uh, about an hour or less on a Wednesday evening. I believe it's 6.30, 6 to 7. Uh, you should come right after dinner or have a late dinner after that. It's uh, a brief but really important um, training. And uh, perhaps none of you, many of you haven't heard of Narcan or you know, think, well, I don't need to have that training. But as, as Ann um, just said so importantly, um, we never know who God's going to bring into our path as we were just praying for divine opportunities. It's good to be prepared. You know, we have first aid kits in our home. We have fire extinguishers. We make preparations for emergencies, you know, things that we hope we never have to use. Uh, and uh, also, as you heard, you know, there's multiple uses uh, for this. And so come and get some training. Uh, that evening, um, you'll be able to sign up on the website for that, uh, and it's it's really important. And again, especially if you're going to the trip that Sunday, what great knowledge to have! And then you walk away not only with the knowledge, but with a, a free kit to have uh, to get you going. And so, but one more thing about that before we we dive into God's word, you know, it's also a testimony, as you heard Andrew and Elizabeth, and you heard Anne just share from their heart about things they're passionate about. Um. You know, as we get to know each other in the church, we realize that we have so many gifted and talented people. We all have uh, unique stories to tell. We all have unique skill sets and tools and knowledge and, of course, spiritual gifts to use uh, to bless each other. And, uh, I mean, how many of you knew that uh, Anne was in that line of work and was a counselor? And so, uh, again, you all have something to offer and to contribute so consider as we begin a, uh, begin a new year how you might be able to, uh, to serve here at Trinity and bless each other uh, with uh, that knowledge and the, those uh, skills that the Lord has given you. Uh, and so just consider that as well. And so let me, um, let me pray for us, and then uh, we will get into God's word together, right? Um, Father God, we uh, again are thankful for uh, this opportunity to be here together for all that we've experienced already. And now as we open your word together, uh, Father God, transform us, change us by the renewing of our mind uh, through the power of your living word. And may we see you through it all and always keep our eyes focused and set on you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, what is truth? How's that for a question to begin the new year? What is truth? How, amen, thank you. Let us pray, for we are done. <laughs> that is the answer, but thank you. And, and I trust that all of you were thinking of that answer as well, because that's what we're going to unpack this morning. Because this is a question, what is truth, that has plagued humankind since um, God created us. It's a, a question that all of us ask in different ways from time to time. It is a question, what is truth, that 
God gives us the clear answer for in his word. And this morning I want to share with you some powerful passages of Scripture that help us to unpack the answer to this simple but profound question, what is truth? And it will lead to me unveiling and and, um, presenting to you our theme verse for this year. We like to have a verse that kind of uh, presides over us, if you will, for the year. One that I come back to from time to time as we go through books of the Bible and our different sermon series throughout the year. We have sort of this overarching or underlying verse from Scripture that helps to keep our focus and attention where it needs to be. Perhaps you do this in your own life and with your family. And so when we leave uh, here this morning, we will have our new verse for the year. But um, the, the verse will help us also to clearly answer this question, what is truth? And this is a question, again, that's always important to all of us in some way or another. And you know, as I was preparing for this morning and asking the Lord in the, in the previous weeks about you know, what our theme verse should be and a, and a good way to begin our year and keep our focus and attention on Him, I kept coming back to this question of truth. You know, you hear much today in the news about artificial intelligence, right? And sometimes we meet people and say they could use a little bit of artificial intelligence. No, I'm just joking. But we hear so much about it, and I think we all grasp at least a little bit of what that means when I say artificial intelligence. And um, there are many concerns that are being brought up as it would with any new technology. What does it mean for us? Are there moral implications? And um, what, what is this sort of new phase? Is it a true paradigm shift? There are scholars and researchers that are saying this advent of artificial intelligence will be more impactful than um, the, uh, the age of the internet and the computer itself. And many of us were uh, alive and well before there was such a thing called the internet. And I won't ask you to raise your hands, but you know who you are. Um, but to say such a thing uh, means quite a bit because we know how much our lives have been in fact uh, impacted by just the, uh, the spread of information and knowledge um, and mis or disinformation how we can continue to discern fact from fiction, truth from a lie, reality from non-reality. I believe that in this year it will become more and more difficult to be able to discern those things. You know, we've heard for many years about artificial intelligence. We've heard also about virtual reality which really has become, you know, in a sense of the word, a reality. It's something that we can all sort of um, understand and become more and more ubiquitous in our everyday lives. Um, There are many shows and movies about alternate realities, about what if something had happened, something in history, a big momentous event in history, what if it didn't happen, or what if it happened a different way? Um, watched a few of those 
shows and movies over this past year, and it's quite interesting to think about, but again, how is it that we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ can make sure that we are always able to discern truth from non-truth or truth from a lie, reality from what is not real? We've known for a long time the existence of reality TV. Is that still a thing? They still make reality TV shows? The common quip is that it's not true reality, right? <laughs> but how do we define truth? reality. And why is it important, especially as we head into 2024 with these amazing advancements in technology and artificial intelligence, AI, and I think more than ever we need to pray for discernment, for wisdom, as Jesus often said, for eyes to see and ears to hear. Would you agree with me? That we need to make sure that we remain firmly secure, and founded on the foundation of truth. Because we know that the great tools of our enemy are confusion and chaos. The enemy of God, Satan himself, our enemy, loves to confuse people, loves to be the generator of chaos. Why? Because chaos and confusion lead to us being distracted, divided. Are we more divided than ever before? It leads to discouragement and to disillusionment and to depression and fill in any other words that start with D that go there. How do we know what's true? Who gets to decide what is true? Is there only one true truth? Is all truth God's truth? Or is it all relative, as our world may lead us to believe? Is truth decided upon by our feelings and experiences? Is truth something that we can all define and own ourselves is truth just relative where your truth is true for you but perhaps not for someone else must there be an absolute truth an absolute reality i'd like to look at a story a brief story from scripture to start us off this morning that helps us to kind of understand why this question what is truth in particular, was asked almost 2,000 years ago. And it was asked of Jesus. In John 18, 33 to 38, we see this story, this account of Pilate, Pontius Pilate, and Jesus. And this conversation that they were having, if you remember Jesus before, um, as he was being betrayed, and before he went to the cross even before he came to Pontius Pilate and just right after, he was, um, he had gone through and was about to go through a series of trials where truth itself, literally Jesus the truth and the truth about who he is and what he had come to do, was on trial. It was a series of mock trials, really mocking Jesus and 
the truth. And in the midst of all that, we come across this account of Jesus and Pontius Pilate. And here's what it says in John 18, 33 to 38. It says, Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? See, Pilate, as a law keeper, as an overseer, wanted to get at the truth. And so he asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered with a question, as he always did. Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you to me. So what have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom. Again, he's answering, are you the king of the Jews? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, so in response to that, Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. For everyone who is of the truth hears my voice, and Pilate said to him, what is truth? You see what leads up to this profound question of Pilate. What is truth? He was trying to get at the truth. Was Jesus guilty of all that the people, his own people, had accused him of doing and being? And Pilate, in many ways, as we know, is trying to wash his hands of all of this, and he's trying to ask pointed questions, and Jesus brings it right back to him. Isn't that how we find out the truth about anything? We ask questions, and so Jesus says, yes, I am a king. This is why I have come. Of course, a kingdom needs a king, right? And so he says, yes, I am the king. But he says, I have come into this world to testify to what? To the truth. And then Pilate says, what is the truth? Truth is reality. Jesus answers his question. Jesus declares what is true. I want to take a minute. And look at seven verses, seven statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John, all taken from the same Gospel, John the beloved disciple of Jesus, seven statements of Jesus where he says, I am. In our call to worship this morning, I read from Exodus 3 when Moses sees the burning bush and he says to God, well, you're going to send me to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians to set our people free who should I say sent me? And God says, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. That was God in Exodus 3, the second book of the Bible. And here is Jesus seven times. There are others, but seven times Jesus using the phrase, I am. Jesus is claiming to be God. 
And if God is the source of all truth, then Jesus is making profound statements that he is the truth. These statements will help us to understand how to answer as God would, as Jesus would, this answer, this question of Pontius Pilate, what is truth? Jesus in John 6.35 first says, I am the bread of life. See, these metaphors, Jesus compares himself to something so we can understand who he is. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. See, Jesus made statements, church, and then he would back them up with an action. Jesus came and performed miracles, and he healed people. And perform these miracles to testify to what? To the truth about who he is. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he said this right after he did something. Remember what he did? He fed the 5,000. Jesus feeds the 5,000. And then after that he says, I am the bread of life. What a powerful statement and a great reminder, church, as we begin a new year. Who are we to look to for our sustenance, our provision, for our daily bread, physically, for the the money we need to provide, to pay our bills, to put food on the table? Who are we to look to for our earthly provisions? Who do we look to for our spiritual guidance and nourishment? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He had just fed more than 5,000 people, and he now says, I am the bread of life. Right? We are to look to Jesus and to keep our eyes firmly on him and to look to him for all of our needs this coming year. He says, I am the bread of life. We see next in John 8, Then Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. So he's the bread of life. And now he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember what God said in Genesis 1-3? He said, let there be light. And there was light. Only God himself can create light or be light. You see, when Jesus says, I am, he is very clearly proclaiming to be God himself. And everybody that heard him make these statements would have understood that because I am is a name for God. It is that name that is not spoken. It is the self-existent one, right? Yahweh. It means I am. It means the self-existent one. It is the name for God, the name God uses for himself, the name we sang about earlier. He says, I am the light of the world. Church, this year, whenever there may be darkness in our world, in our lives, whether it's loss, whether it's confusion or doubt, whatever, they may, whatever that may be, let us keep our eyes firmly fixed and focused on Jesus, who is the light of our world. He is the light of life. We are now children of light in him. 
No matter what happens in the world around us or in our lives, as was said earlier, in our circumstances, we can have light because we serve and live for the light of the world. Jesus says later in John 10, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, this one even starts with truly, truly, or truth, truth, right? Like, listen to what I'm about to say. Here is Jesus speaking the truth, saying what I'm about to say is truth. And so listen, I am the door of the sheep. Again, I am. And the metaphor here is a door. No one can enter his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, by, other, by any other means other than himself. Jesus is the door. Let's make sure we understand that. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the door. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's not leaving room for any other options, church. He is the door. So this year, as we pray for divine appointments and opportunities, we often pray, God, would you open doors that I can't open? Would you close doors that, that no one else can close? Jesus, would you pr uh, prepare the way for me? Let us look to Jesus as the one who can open the doors for you, who can close those doors to direct our paths, but who is the door as we go and we share the good news of the gospel this year. May we do so bringing full focus and attention to Jesus, who is the door of the sheep. And then speaking of sheep, he also says in John 10, a few verses later, I am the good shepherd. So he's the door of the sheep pen, right? And he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He is the only one who can truly protect his flock, even to the point of giving his own life, laying down his life for his sheep. Is that not what Jesus did for us, church? In a few minutes when we conclude our, our time in his word and we gather together to take the bread and the cup, we are remembering that Jesus laid down his life for us. We are the sheep. He is the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. Psalm 23. How does it start? The Lord is my shepherd. So he is the good shepherd. Church, this year, as we pray for protection, Protection from our enemy, the evil one, just protection from the things of this world that our, our enemy may use to distract us, to discourage us, to confuse us, to cause doubt in our lives. May we seek out the good shepherd who loves his sheep, who protects us from all evil, who has laid his life down voluntarily us. He also says in the next chapter, John 11, again, these are all found in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Again, Jesus makes a declarative statement, the most declarative statement and definitive statements that Jesus makes. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. When did Jesus say this? 
right before raising Lazarus from the dead. He made a claim. He backed it up. Apart from Jesus, there is no eternal life. There is no resurrection from the dead. Church, you know that every person that you see this year, every person you come in contact with in your neighborhood and where you live and work, your, your school, you go shopping, every person is going to live eternally. Their bodies won't, but their souls, souls will. We are encountering souls each and every day, and so everybody will live eternally. Of course, the question is where and with whom. And we know that there is only hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. For he says, I am thee. Again, in your Bibles, maybe you want to circle or underline or highlight that word, thee. I am the resurrection and the life. He says this, and then he raises Lazarus from the dead. Church, our bodies, our bodies fail us. They wither. They break down, right? Some of you are kind of going like this. But yet, we have new bodies waiting for us, and we have eternal life with him. For he is the resurrection and the life. You know, Jesus also reminds us, and we are told by Paul and others, that because he lives, we have the hope of life. Because he's no longer in the grave or on the cross, he lives, and so therefore we live. He says also in John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. In John 15, we see all this. Remember, this is where Jesus says we are to abide in him, stay close to him, remain connected to Jesus, abiding in him. This is when he gives this metaphor of being the vine. He is the vine. The Father is the vine dresser. Who are we? We are called the branches. So this year, church, remain connected to Jesus. Not only keep your eyes focused on him, your ears attentive to his word, that we may be protected by the good shepherd and enjoy the bread of life, our sustenance, right? The light of the world to help us see everything that he says he is, but he says, here I am the true vine. Church, we need to stay connected to the life giver if we are to live our lives for him this year. Amen? He is the true vine. And then finally, we end with this one in John 14. Church, this is our theme verse for the year. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. What a declaration that Jesus makes. In these seven I am statements, we end with this one. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am, again, there's that word, the, the way, the truth, and the life. And then, he, and then he, he gives a statement here to clarify, a statement of clarification. No one comes to the Father but through me. You know, as we embark on this new year together and as we continue down our discipleship pathway and we begin to use our newest resource of tell the story, right? tell your story, tell the story about 
how to share the gospel and how to share your testimony. We use this as our theme verse to be reminded that Jesus is the only way. There is one true gospel. The gospel does not teach us or declare that there are many ways to be reconciled to God. There is one way, and Jesus says he is that way. So he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so as we uh, bring this to a conclusion, I want to just read this to you. A lot of scripture this morning. It's important we see the context as we uh, talk about our theme verse for the year. Let me read this and bring it to its conclusion. This is where we find this verse, John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why did Jesus say that? Well, let's look at the context. In John 13, verse 31 through 14, 6, here's what it says. Therefore, when he, meaning uh, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Jesus, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. See, Jesus, stop there for a second, Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure, right? It was the last week of Jesus' life, the upper room, the last Passover meal. He is consoling and comforting his disciples because he knew what was about to happen. They didn't, but he had been telling them all along he needed to go to a place they couldn't go. And so he's consoling them and comforting them. He says, my little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Again, this is Peter. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Do not let your heart be troubled. This is the beginning of chapter 14. Believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. You know the way to where I'm going. So Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, and how are we to know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Do you see now why Jesus made that important statement? He was answering their question. He was comforting them, and they didn't quite understand, and he had been telling them, I need to go to a place, and you can't follow me just yet but I need to go there. And they're like, we're going to follow you, but we don't know where to go and how to get there. And Thomas says, we don't know the way. Jesus says, I am the way. What is he saying to them? What is he saying to us for this year? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Right? 
He says, I'm that way. You don't know the way to go. Look at me. If you're confused and there's chaos around you and you can't discern as easily as you used to truth from a lie, fact from fiction, and reality from non-reality, God from false gods, Jesus says, keep your eyes on me. We have a sign in our fridge at home. It says, one, two, three, eyes on me, Jesus. The idea being that, right, we are to keep our eyes on him in all things and in all ways. He's our bread of life. He's the, the light of the world, right? He's the resurrection and the life. He's the good shepherd. He's the door. And he says here, he sums it up, I'm that way, the only way. I am the truth, the only truth. Let no one deceive us, church. He is the truth. More and more, we are to keep our eyes focused on him so we do not lose sight of what is true and what is real. And he says, I am the life. There's no way, no other path to follow except Jesus. And therein lies the inerrant truth of the gospel, that there is no way to be saved except through Jesus Christ himself. Pilate asked this question, what is truth? And you know what? Let's not lose sight of this, um, of this fact. When Pilate asks Jesus the question, what is truth? Think about this. Who was Pilate? standing in front of? Who was he looking directly at? The truth himself. Truth himself, Jesus. He asked this question, what is truth, as he was staring and looking at Jesus. How close we can be yet so far. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's not miss it. Jesus is right there with us, church. He is in his word that we have available to us 24-7. Let us see him clearly this year. He is within us, the person of the Holy Spirit. Let us listen to him and follow him this year. I give you a challenge and encouragement this year, church. Read this Gospel of John. If you've done it before, do it again. If you haven't before, Read and study and meditate upon the Gospel of John. You know, as we continue our series, we begin again next week through Matthew, one of the other Gospels. We did Mark a few years ago. Read and study and meditate on the Gospel of John. It is so important, especially as we embark on this, um, uh, this journey together of learning how to tell our stories and tell the story John is the most evangelistic of all the Gospels. It's probably the only book of the New Testament written to non-believers with non-believers in mind. Read the Gospel of John. There's a reason in our blessing bags we incorporate, we put in there a Gospel of John. Because people will clearly see the way of salvation through that Gospel. Memorize some verses I mean, we already have one started, right? John 3, 16. There are many others. These seven I am statements. As we journey through Matthew, read the Gospel of John this year. Get that different perspective, that very 
evangelistic and gospel-centered perspective from John himself. As we transition to our time of communion, you know, we, we take the elements together, the bread and the cup, they represent Jesus' body and blood, and he makes that clear for us. We sang a song earlier, The Great I Am. He is the great one, the great I am. Jesus won the victory over sin and hell and the grave. We can have victory over sin in our lives as we trust and obey him this coming year. And now let us take time to praise him for being who he is, the self-existent one. As you hear the music play and you um, just meditate for a moment or two and connect with your God, your maker, consider Jesus and his sacrifice on your behalf. Consider what it means to you in your life that he is the bread of life, he is the light of the world, the door for his sheep. He is the good shepherd, the true vine, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life. Consider these amazing truths that Jesus proclaimed about himself. And consider your relationship with him. Where does it stand? What does it look like this past year? And talk to God about this coming year and all that he is, and all that he has done for you. As you spend some time as the music plays, whenever you're ready, there's no rush, you can, you can get up and you can come to the front or to the back side there and take a cup and take a piece of bread and return to your seats. Once everybody has returned with the elements, I will lead us in closing of our service, uh, and then we'll stand and close with a song as we consider the victory we have in Jesus. But take time now to reflect and, um, and then you can come forward when you're ready for the elements.
on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke the bread. He passed it around. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat together in remembrance of Jesus. The bread represented his body given for us. But in the same way, that night, after supper, Jesus said this, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let us drink together remembrance of his shed blood on our behalf. Would you stand with me now, please? Let us worship the Lord together through song as a way to conclude our service, remembering that Jesus won the victory on our behalf, and we now have victory in him. Amen.
Father God, what a privilege to be able to sing those words and to sing them together. We have victory in you, Jesus. Victory over death won by you that we may have eternal life. Thank you for being the resurrection and the life for us. And we know, we know what it costs you. God, we thank you that you offer salvation to us for free. It is by your grace we have been saved through faith in you, simple faith. But we know that it costs Jesus everything. His body given for us, his blood shed for us. Lord, may we go here now as we enjoy a meal together and when we leave this place later, Lord, may we do so, realizing our souls have victory. And when we go and share the good news about that victory in Jesus, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Would you please just uh, give our team a few minutes to set up and bring the food out, and then we'll enjoy a meal together.
amazing, he's alive. Justice, 
comes the look itself a trace of what we're looking for so be quiet now and wait the ocean to him.